high. One of our key values in church life is that we want to be family as we're discovering more about Jesus. And Esther started us on a series about becoming family. So we're talking a bit more about that today. She spoke well about that, how we want to be an accepting family, whoever you are and whatever your life experience. The church in the Western world is often known for its pointing of fingers rather than the welcoming arms that we see in Jesus. And we want to be that kind of church family. But it is helpful to ask that question again. Why have church relationships? Why do we need to be a church family? One reason is that we need each other in order to survive. We can see that so clearly in the current circumstances. Another reason is, is loneliness. is a real problem in our world. Many people live on their own. And the church family can be a place where people can get a sense of belonging. But even those in stable relationships are often lonely. One of the reasons is that, that they're not really open about themselves. And so one of the key ways in order to be um, build these relationships is we need to be authentic or open. And this is our topic for today. And I'm going to talk for about six minutes and Andy Forrest is going to share his personal story about the importance of authenticity. Brandy Brown has spent two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, empathy. She's the author of five New York bestsellers. And her 2010 TED talk about the power of vulnerability is one of the most viewed talks in the world. She sums up her work over these two, several decades by the importance of having courage to be authentic. Yet in our lives, instead of being seen or so often we hide because we feel shame or fear, or fear further rejection. If we think of the story in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden and ate the forbidden fruit, they hid from God. So let's read together from Genesis 3 verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Adam and Eve hid from God due to their sin and shame and we hide. We don't show ourselves or be open or authentic, often because of shame. Shame is the thought that we are, not just that we've done things wrong, but that we are broken or defective. What I love about this story is that God goes looking for them. He already knows that they've sinned, yet he's looking for them. He wants to know them. He already knows that they're hiding. 
Is a few branches going to hide them from the all-knowing God? No. And John Ortberg writes, Hiding from God is like a four-year-old playing hide-and-seek in a telephone box with Sherlock Holmes. God already knows where they're hiding. Yet he asks that question. Why does he ask the question? The reason is that in answering the question, that or being authentic is the start of the healing process. Expressing the problem, acknowledging the problem. A while back I felt some deep shame. It was more about how I saw myself than what I'd done. I, I felt defective and full of shame. But as I didn't hide myself and I came to God and I opened up to him, his healing came to me. I realised that he valued me so much. He forgave me. He wanted to be with me. He put his Holy Spirit in me. He wanted to be my friend despite my perceived situation and my perceived sense of brokenness and shame. It wasn't that he just wanted to be with me, but he wanted to be in me. A friend in me, not just with me. That brought healing, that he likes to be with me. God is looking for each one of us, even though he knows our shame and brokenness. Will we hide? Healing comes through being open and authentic with God. What also helped me in my sense of shame and sense of being defective was the love of a close friend. In this case, my wife. We need people who are going to speak the truth of God's love into our lives to bring healing. So you see, shame thrives in that secrecy, that hiddenness, that silence and that judgment. Our deepest hurts come through relationships, but healing is through relationships with God and people showing God's love. We need to be authentic and be in a family who will accept us and, as we are and love us as we are. Then we will find healing and we will find the enjoyment of deeper relationships. Andy, has been, Andy Forrest has been on something of that journey and he is going to share his personal story about being authentic with us this morning. Hello, Ebby. Um, so maybe you know me, maybe, maybe you don't. Uh, my name is Andy Forrest. I've been at Ebby, I think, since 2001 when I first came here to Bristol to study. Married to Hannah, got three kids, uh, Zeph, Eden and Eloan. Um, and Steve approached us to put some thoughts together on two subjects uh, that kind of blended together. So that's been really kind of a high value of both of us around community and authenticity. Um, I guess my first piece of being authentic is, um, Steve doesn't know I'm doing this right now. I actually said no to doing it. Um, there's been so much stuff going on. There's been, uh, not least with lockdown, um, uh, for me personally, lockdown has been a challenge. It's brought all sorts of anxiety that I've struggled with over the years. Uh, so for me personally, I've picked up um, some weekly counselling again, which has been really helpful to kind of progress that. Uh, 
and it's just getting headspace right now. I don't know how you're feeling, but finding space to kind of think about stuff feels quite a challenge right now, even though it feels slightly ironic because there's more time than ever. And yet, I don't know, personally, maybe it's just me in my head, it's definitely been all over the place. But uh, anyhow, authenticity and community. So Steve asked a few questions around this about what does it mean to us? Why is it important? And then what's the kind of background? And I kind of come at it more from a kind of a testimony perspective because it's not something that I feel that I've read about and therefore have concluded that this is what should be important. These are kind of things that have come more from my personal experience. And personal experience that kind of goes right back into my upbringing uh, and all the way up to this present day and some of the stuff I touched on earlier with the counselling. And so I guess for me, my family home, I grew up in Cornwall. I'm one of four kids, got three sisters. And it wasn't the easiest home. You know, there were lots of challenges. Uh, and as a child, because of those challenges, I would say I was quite reserved, a quiet kid. Um, and in my teens, I kind of had this breakaway point where I just rebelled from everything and needed to find life for myself. And that resulted in me making some pretty silly decisions and uh, in a pursuit of trying to meet these needs that were there from my childhood, got caught up in all sorts of messy stuff and uh, and it all kind of came to a head. Probably I, I struggled to pin the date, late teens, kind of 18, kind of age I guess. Um, when, um, yeah, I basically had one night where I guess I would say I had a mental, psychological breakdown. Um, and from that point in life, it kind of birthed all sorts of anxieties and struggles and had many years of battling with stuff after that. Uh, and I guess the big part for me was the challenge like, I was afraid to see a counsellor back then because I didn't know what they might tell me. Uh, and yet, like, I knew I needed to talk about this stuff. And I think I was quite a reserved person back then. But over the years, as time went on, I soon realised that, gee, I needed to people, I needed to talk to people. All this stuff that was going on in my head, I needed a way to better process it um, and it didn't help to hold back you know I needed to be genuine and I needed to be real um, and yeah I mean I've, I've got some notes here that I'm going to refer to so I'm looking down here that's what I'm looking at um, but I guess some of the things for me were right back in these early days youth group I was a part of just how important that was coming out of the, these kind of dark days in my teens and just the support that that community gave me, unbeknowing at the time, uh, and just that real sense of family. Um, and I guess uh, there are two, three other kind of communities that have really stood out to me over the years. Um, one which was uh, coming to Ebby and obviously the whole Ebby community in itself, but very specifically home group community and how 
uh, we started off going to the Becker's home group, uh, we as in Hannah and myself, uh, and then when they left to go back to America, we continued that home group, and we continued that with, um, it started off being with Rachel B and the Whitnalls, and that was fantastic, you know, we were running it together as a little group. Um, yeah, and just in that time, how, I think the honest answer, and if I was to be authentic, would be to say that more often these communities have been important to me because I've been quite selfish, realising that I've had a need, I've needed people, and so often I've surrounded myself in these communities because I've needed them as a home group, and just realising actually what I needed in that space and time was a place of vulnerability and realness, a place where I could come and be accepted, not be judged, I could lay out my issues, uh, I could be challenged and I could grow and that I could have empathy and that we could support one another. And so when we carried on the home group on the Beckers, that was very much some of our values. I think I've got over here what our vision was. As a home group, we used to have the vision, which is we are a mixed group of a common purpose to continually serve one another with humility, seeking Christ in all things. We desire to create a place of transparency and openness where we are vulnerable and real in order that we may know Christ more and make him known. For me, it's that transparency, openness and vulnerability. And as much as I love church and I love coming together and saying we all are missing now, there's only so much of that you can do on a Sunday morning. And for me, home group was that space, wanting to nurture a space that is safe, that it's not just a Thursday night meeting, but it is that community, it's our spiritual community. Uh, and then and then there was integrity, which you know stopped about a year back. Uh, and that very much birthed out of meeting up with Ben Rice and just the honest communication we used to have, and we've met for years, week on, week out, uh, just being raw with one another. And again, just realising the benefit of that realness and rawness. And uh, I think there was a, a line I liked earlier, which was, let me see if I can find it now, I've written it down, it is to reveal myself openly and honestly takes the rawest kind of courage. And it's that sense of going, actually, you know, sometimes it can feel terrifying to be open, to be real, and yet there's such a liberation to be found in it when you are genuine, when you're honest and real. Um, I have some quotes tonight there from this book, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? This was recommended by a counsellor uh, that we've been seeing. And yeah, so integrity, again, if I just share a little bit of it, integrity, so integrity was a group and it was a group for men. It was something that when Ben and I were meeting, it was just that sense of uh, the subjects we're talking about. Now, surely there must be more people I want to talk about that. And you know, sure enough, a lot of the subjects we were talking about and they were predominantly around, I guess, kind of male issues and various things. Um, not limited to that, sure. Uh, but we just felt, um, we just felt amongst men in Ebby that there was a need to want to get deeper and talk about some of these subjects. And so we created this space where once a month, I think it was, that we could come together, we'd take some subject, we'd have like an open floor to better discuss it. And then 
the more important bit was then getting together in these smaller groups where we could be vulnerable, we could be real, we could pray, hold another accountable. And in that, you know, having that confidentiality. And I think for me that's important. I, I really like this, this uh, book uh, by this guy called Patrick Glencioni, I forget his surname, but it's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And yes, it is for teams. But I think it talks a lot about family life as well and about how um, and we can be real with one another. And it has this notion of this pyramid and at the bottom of that is trust. And we need to have trust, you know, and I think that's where you know, community is so important. You know? And having not just this kind of facade of community, but kind of real getting in there, having to build trust because it's, it's not until we have that trust that we can then start to really wrestle with some of the issues and um, sometimes we don't want to share stuff because we're afraid of conflict but you know when we have that trust we can be honest and we can uh, we can engage in healthy conflict challenging one another in a healthy way being able to bring up some of these issues uh, and we can then be more committed to one another you know when we've got that trust where we can be honest and real with one another about the issues we can challenge one another we're going to be committed to journeying life with one another. Um, and all of that helps us to have accountability and then to see fruit in our life. And that's just a real simplified, quick, brief overview of that kind of five dysfunctions. But yeah, for me, um, you know, integrity was that. It was about creating that environment of trust where we could discuss stuff, where sometimes there might be conflict. That's okay, we were committed to this journey of growing together. Uh, we can have accountability and we can really start to look for fruit in each other's lives. Um, and so, yeah, our vision in integrity was to lay aside pride to seek our godly calling as men. And some of those values were integrity, wholeness, encouragement, unity, and Jesus centered. And ultimately, all of this is, isn't it? All of this is that we draw closer to Jesus in relationship, but that we also look more like Jesus. And for me, like the greatest worship, like I really, I've just recently read, um, or should I say, listened to uh, The Day the Revolution Began by N.T. Wright. And there he talks about, you know, as we, as we take on more of the image of Jesus, as we become more as he intended us to be, as we discover more of the wholeness he has in us, that brings worship to him. How do we do that? You know, and I really believe that we can't do that alone. It comes from being authentic. It comes from community. It comes from being real and genuine. Um, and so, you know, as part of being authentic now, as I've mentioned, I know I've been uh, journaling, counselling throughout the years. Um, I've had all sorts of baggage, and I think people often think of me as someone that's. Uh, hard to read, but you know, I, I've learned that you know I wear my heart on my sleeve when I enter in conversation because actually there is such liberation in sharing. Um, and uh, just over a year ago, Hannah and I decided to step away from a lot of our responsibilities, from integrity, from home group to pursue some of our own marriage counselling. And you know we we both have baggage from our pasts, and that plays out in our marriage. And so that's. A journey we've been on which has actually been really difficult over this past year with lockdown you know we we were right in the kind of getting into the depths of the counseling and that had to come to a halt in march 
but something that you know we've had to put on the shelf and we look forward to getting back to and journeying that again um what else did i want to share that came to mind i think again referring to that book i shared earlier i think you know this might resonate with you that so a few quotes from the book that i found quite helpful um so I am afraid to tell you who I am, because if I tell you who I am, you may not like who I am, and it's all that I have. And again, I think it's that fear, isn't it? That's that fear of judgment. We live in a culture and society in a time where there's, there's so much judgment, there's so much trying to live up to status and what we have and don't have. And in some ways there's been a sense of, uh, we, we've found a weird sense of freedom in lockdown, you know, in just being ourselves and and not being exposed to the outer world and all that kind of stuff, being able to just be a bit more, have a bit more time just to be in our own skin and flesh and not feel, you know, kind of having to meet up to any standard. But yes, that, that, that there's something again, being able to lay aside that lie of the world that you have to be something, to be someone, to be accepted. And that feeds into that kind of quote there. Um, I was actually, so I just wanted to read from this book a little story which I found really helpful. Um, I'll, I'll just read it out and just see, see whether this resonates with yourself at all. So, the man in the prison, and he is every man, has been year, in there for years. Although, ironically, the grated iron doors are not locked, he can go out of the, his prison. But he is but in his long detention, he has learned to fear the possible dangers that he might encounter. He has come to feel some sort of safety and protection behind the walls of his prison, where he is voluntarily captive. The darkness of his prison even shields him from a clear view of himself, and he is not sure what he would look like in broad daylight. Above all, he is not sure how the world, which he sees from behind his bars, and the people whom he sees moving about in the world would receive him. <clears throat> he is fragmented, fragmented by an almost desperate need for that world and for those people, and at the same time, by an almost desperate fear of the risks of rejection he would be taking if he ended his isolation. This prisoner is reminiscent of what Viktor Frankl writes in his book, The Man Searches for Meaning about his fellow prisoners in the Nazi concentration camp in Dachau. Some of these prisoners, who yearned so desperately for their freedom, had been held captive for so long that, when they were eventually released, they walked out into the sunlight, blinked nervously, and then silently walked back into, <clears throat> into the familiar darkness of the prisons to which they had been accustomed for such a long time. This is the visualised if somewhat dramatic dilemma that all of us experience at some time in our lives and in the process of becoming persons. Most of us only make uh, a weak response to the invitation of encounter with others and our world because we feel uncomfortable in exposing our nakedness as persons. Some of us are only willing to pretend this exodus while others somehow find the courage to go all the way to freedom. Uh, and and I love that pass. I love that whole story and that analogy there. That you know, the prison door is open, and yet we feel so much safer, hidden inside. 
you know, and do we have that courage to step out? And for me, that is authenticity, that courage to be war with people. And when you mix that with community, you know, I think that can be something so powerful and it can create a place of healing and deliverance and freedom um, and a place where we can be and not just be, but that in that being where we start to discover the wholeness that God has within us and we bring worship to him. And I think that's something that can be so attractive. You know, just imagine a community where you see people just being alive and being free to be who they are in all of the greatness and all of their struggles and our sin and our, 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 you know, our, you know, whatever it might be, our health and so forth. The, the freedom to be not trying to attain, not trying to be something else, but that freedom to be in there. Um, mm -mm -mm. Is there anything else that's down here that's helpful to share? Okay. So I guess I just want to wrap up with just thinking about, you know, God is community through the means of the Trinity and you know, right in the beginning where you know, God creates man, he says it's not good for man to be alone. You know, he wants us to be together. He wants us to be real and war with one another. And again, some more quotes from this book here. The greatest kindness I have to offer you is always the truth. And for me, the challenge is it's not to find ourselves in this situation where, again, another quote, most of us feel that others will not tolerate such emotional open honesty in communication. We would rather defend our dishonesty on the grounds that it might hurt others. And having rationalised our phoniness into nobility, we settle for superficial relationships. And that's not what we want, is it? We want to have communities that are genuine and real. And for me, that is the big question now of lockdown. In lockdown, how do we continue this? How do we continue to build depth and meaning and richness of relationship? And when often we're watching something through a YouTube video or and then we're on Zoom and that is great, but you know, there's so much communication that gets lost in that. But that is the encouragement, isn't it? It's to make the most of the tools we do have. And in many ways, thank God that we do have Zoom, you know, and technologies like that, that we can communicate even if they're not the best. And my encouragement is to you know, keep going, keep communicating. Don't just settle for, oh, this is too hard, or, um, you know, I'm just gonna, just, it's just easier right now just to withdraw. Like, you know, we, we need to keep communicating. We need to be in that community and, we need to continue to be raw and real with how we feel. And I know that Evie has already shared before that they have a, an email address that people can contact them on. 
that would be my recommendation, you know, do reach out to those resources that are out there, reach out to Ebby, you know, if you need signposting to services that can help, um, what is so important right now is authenticity, realness, genuineness, um, and that's all I've got to say. Thanks, Andy Forrest, so much for being so courageous and sharing your personal story. I'm sure that will help many people. I just want us to pause a moment and to think, reflect. Firstly, are we hiding from God in any way? He loves us and he is bigger than any of our problems. Bring them to him. And secondly, decide to take a small step to be more authentic with some trusted people or friends. It is the way to deeper relationships and healing. So we're just going to pause for a few seconds and then I'm going to pray. Lord, you know about us and yet you still love us. We want you to help us in our lives. Reveal your love and acceptance to us and help us to be more authentic so that we can have deeper relationships and experience your healing. And ultimately we can look more like Jesus and bring glory to you. Amen.